this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Guilty movie pleasure fans. I'm trying to get through this without laughing. Because today we're talking about the McManus brothers. And they're bringing some divine retribution to some scum in Boston. In nomine patri et fili et spiritu sancti. Yeah, because we're talking to boondock saints in Boston, eh? <laughs> Welcome to Popcorn Talk. Featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now. Here's Popcorn Talk's Guilty Movie Pleasure. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I Ooh. couldn't get through it. I couldn't that start it without laughing. A modified shake weight dance just because <laughs> I'm still I'm still cringing from the accent work. And I'm pretty sure that I, I threw in an A and made the Boston accent kind of Canadian. I'm not going to worry about it. You know what? Dialects aren't my forte. No, nor mine. <laughs> Do you, you want to hear? What did you say about my intro? That it was a a, confu- a confusing amount of accents you were doing. <laughs> you know, and I am about a quarter Irish, and every time I do it, it just—I don't know. Their Irish accents aren't that great sometimes. They're not either. good, and they're sort of in and out of them also. So, oh, we'll get to it. Especially uh, their last clip, the manifesto clip. Yeah, when they're yelling. Yeah, and I think at one point Norman Reedus pronounces the word rape as raw ripe rap. <laughs> there, if you so, don't go and rap anyone. Yeah, don't wrap them up. Don't wrap. Don't wrap. Don't wrap, or we're coming for you. That's uh, strong don't advice. Rap. Don't wrap. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, guilty movie pleasure fans. I am Ben Begley, and with me as always is the very funny and talented Jesse McIntosh. Hi, I'm Jesse McIntosh. Yeah, hey, at Hi the guys. Ben Begley's where you can find me. Where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at Too Much Jesse. Yeah, see, I'm trying to remember to do that because that's what hosts do. We're doing do. it up top. We're doing that up top. Yeah, we're hosts... going to do it top, and it's going to be a plug sandwich today. Yep, yep, yep. Well, we're... no, I, f- I realize that when I watch other shows, they like introduce themselves at the beginning as if they're like, that's dumb. Hey, maybe new listeners are watching. No, what a waste of time. No one new what is a watching waste this of time. week. <laughs> it's always <laughs> the same t- 14 fans and then 280 bots. All right. No, uh, every every week we have one new person, and they're they you, always. They're usually a dick. They're usually a dick. So, um... Oh, yeah. Hey, shout out to that guy. <laughs> shout out to the guy. I'm not going to say his screen name because you can go in the comments. A girl, I don't know, guy or girl, somebody, troll, yep. who called Jesse an idiot. Listen, uh, listen. I am an idiot. <laughs> I don't deny that. I don't deny being an idiot. But the moment that they're referring to was a very earnest question that I had. And About I the think, acres. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was, you know... I liked how other fans backed you up, though, and were like, it meant for aches, duh. Right. Jesse got it. Right. He was just asking a question. <laughs> and I love how this person was just like... Clearly, they watched the first five minutes, because uh-huh. they were like, is the point to not remember anything about the movie? Because in our three minutes... So clearly, they'd never seen the show before, yep. and they watched just the first five minutes, yep. and then they went, 
lame, I'm a troll. Mm-hmm. Which is so fun. Yeah. It's so fun. I mean, that's that's how I handled Constantine on NBC. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know. You know, well. Uh, you you got to do what you got to do. I hope they there. enjoy playing Grand Theft Auto and leave us alone. Listen, definitely, <laughs> definitely keep uh, th- hurling them at me. Um. <laughs> we just like to just kind of. Actually, it's weird. Whenever we get trolled, I get the initial, like, seventh grade Ben reaction where I get, like, kind of like, hey! And then I go. Who fucking cares? Listen, and then the next thing is, ooh, how can I respond back in yeah. a sarcastic way? Well, I definitely, I definitely do a solid two to three hours of research and find out their home address <laughs> and their cell phone number. And I monitor those things. Like, I haven't stopped monitoring them. But I do, <laughs> I do lay off the gas on the YouTube comment section a little bit. <laughs> so you monitor the trolls or you monitor uh, people instead of trolling them? Uh, or both. Both. Okay, perfect. Both. Anyways. I can multitask, Ben. I don't need you, you to can multitask in your, me into in your just one activity. Pseudo-stalking. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking The Boondock Saints. And uh, here's the thing. Um, I saw this movie. I remember this movie came out in 1999. It didn't go to theaters. It was a blockbuster, blockbuster exclusive VHS rental at the time. Is that true? Yes. You could oh, get it only at Blockbuster, uh, as far as in my town. And I think still you can only get it at Blockbuster, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. You have to like find one that's still to... open. It doesn't exist. Uh, Yelp. You gotta look on Yelp. You gotta look on Yelp. Uh, Blockbuster. But so, Boondock Saints, I saw it. I remember my, me and my buddies, we rented it on video. Shout out to specifically my friends, uh, Ben Falkman, Corey Ular, Casey Moran, and Ben Sappenfield. Yeah, shout out time. We just start, oh. what if it, we just start doing that like a rap song? Sappenfield, Sappenfield in the house. We should, we need to coordinate need to before s- the show yeah. if we're gonna do Next that. Next time we're gonna do yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. But anyways, send some emails uh, out. I remember that the, the five of us watched this movie when we were younger, and man. I don't know how many times we would say Inumine Patri et Fili et Spiritu Sancti and think we were so cool. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade Two. Play it now with Game Pass. Cool and like this movie felt awesome when I was seventeen. Yeah, when I was seventeen, this was like the coolest, most badass. Because you're like, yeah, fuck you, bad guys, and you don't really pay attention to the fact when you're seventeen that there's zero character development. Everyone's quirky for no reason. Yeah, there's a whole lot of just screaming that doesn't seem scripted. Uh, where it's like, it seems like the director was just on coke and like, hey, just everybody just get to this thing, okay? Don't do it! There's, listen, that, that was the direction. But there, there is a documentary about this guy. Is there really? Troy Duffy called Overnight. I need to, I've been meaning to watch it for like a decade. He had a meltdown on this set and he was like blacklisted forever. And the only other thing he's done is finally he was able to do Boondock Saints 2, All Saints Day, which we'll get to that. I, I actually think that one's a lot of fun too. But... He, like, notoriously, like, him and Willem Dafoe, Willem Dafoe, there's a shot in the trailer where he's like, watch your mouth, or you shut the fuck up, Troy, or whatever, but, like, he basically Josh Tranked before Josh Trank Josh Tranked, if that makes sense. Uh, Who was the Fantastic Four director. I would have to, like, diagram that sentence out for yep. it to make sense, but I think I understand what you're saying. Yeah, he yeah. basically destroyed his career on his first film, and then it took over a decade to recoup, and I, mean, I don't think he still has recovered. To be fair, like destroyed his career by his behavior or by 
making this no, film. No, this movie. Do you know like, what I mean? Like this script circled around town, and everybody was like, "This is going to be the new." And he got like kind of high on that. Like sure, but like the execution of it was yeah. a little shaky. Like I, I understood a lot of what he was trying to yeah. do oh, yeah. and like the non-linear storytelling it definitely and the, like stylistic pulp fiction yeah it um, wants to be pulp fiction and reservoir dogs so bad it was just executed poorly and like you talked about all the quirkiness and all the yelling mm-hmm. like that those things have to be balanced for them to be effective and they weren't yeah there's just so much screaming for no reason as if it's the only way to portray any sort of intensity yeah and there is so much weirdness with no reason behind it and also like no normal people really no, no, so it's like no what, normal people what fucking oh, world is this you think that's crazy the second one basically i actually think the second one i want to rewatch it because i saw the second one when it came out in you have to uh, unwrap the thing first it's it's unwrapped oh. in 2010 <laughs> I, I saw this in 2010 when it came out and i haven't seen it since but i remember actually liking it a lot because it basically became almost a parody of the first one which the first one's kind of a a parody of action like movies kind of, kind already, of. Yeah. not a parody not necessarily a parody but, but it, more of an action so comedy the sequel is an intentional parody or no the sequel definitely pushes the comedy more okay in an intentional way they got clifton collins jr which i don't know if you can see the back of that but he, you can see it. He's looking like a oh, nut job yeah. on yeah, the back. Yeah, he sure is. And it just goes a little bit more... Everything is basically multiplied by about five for the sequel. Okay. Um, and actually, Julie Benz, who was on Dexter, yeah. plays the FBI agent this time. And she's got some great one-liners. And she's not quite as weird as Willem Dafoe. But she's like this tough-as-nails, badass FBI agent. So, I gotta, like I said, i got to rewatch it and I'll give you my... Now current seven years later review. <laughs> but I will say that when Boondock Saints, you hadn't seen this before. No, I hadn't. Okay, so when I saw it, um, like I said, I thought it was a perfect action film. I loved it. I thought it was the gr- one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Seeing it now as an adult, um, God, 20-some years later, uh, 20, 19 years later. Um, 46 years 47 later. 47 years then. later. <laughs> the, uh, the novelty... It's still there from a nostalgic perspective, and I do, but now I fully recognize that this is a guilty movie pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I feel guilty liking this, but I still love it so much because there's so much to love in it, even though there's a lot of problems. Did you? Let me ask you. Did you love it independent of the nostalgia you have for it, or like did you sit down, watch it, and feel in that experience that you were enjoying yourself, or did you enjoy the memories of it? Because no, I enjoyed the memories of it, but I also enjoyed certain elements of it still. Okay, um, we'll pick apart those. Parts. Yeah, yeah. So it, just, it seems like you hated it. I didn't hate <laughs> it. I like I said, there was a lot that I really liked about it. I just felt like those parts were maybe executed poorly, and there was a yeah. lot of uh, just strange choices. Like Willem Dafoe's character is strange for the sake of being strange. He actually reminds me of kind of a ripoff of Gary Oldman's character in The Professional. Yeah. Where, where Gary Oldman comes in like, do you like Beethoven? Mm, let me play your symphony. And he's kind of weirdly almost effeminate. I, I love the fact, though, that like, we'll get into Willem Dafoe. There's some craziness. So, uh, But in general, guilty or not, or did you like? did you enjoy it at all? Would you recommend this? I don't think I would recommend it. I didn't. But this had been on your watch list. It, yeah. Oh, I was telling. Yeah, I was telling you before we even yeah. chose the movie. This had has been on my Netflix queue for about ten years. Because it's everybody who 
you either saw it and loved it when it came out, yeah. or you've heard it's awesome and been meaning to watch yeah. it. Yeah, and but because on, on Rotten Tomatoes, I tweeted this out. It has twenty one percent critics review and ninety one percent audience. Right. So the audience loves it, and critics. Rightfully I mean, so, yeah. Kind of trash. I, I guess if it's not coming out in theaters, you're not going to hit people that aren't in your demographic. Yeah. It's going to be specifically the people coming yeah. to see. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but uh, I forget the point that I was going to make. So you know, let's get on. into the movie. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do the plot in yeah. under three minutes. Uh, this is going to be fun. Um, I, you know what? I, I take that back. It was. It was not. All nostalgia. I genuinely still love several moments oh, in this good. movie. All right, several so we'll, moments. I'm excited to discuss. We'll this hit on all of those, and eventually, I'm, we're going to go into fisticuffs at some point. I think fisticuffs. Fisticuffs. We uh, have we done a movie where you and I have degreed, uh, disagreed so vehemently. Uh, I feel like Machete. We disagreed. Yeah, but, pretty heavily. But I could recognize. Yeah, like this. Well, I can recognize why someone would hate this. If we let me just say this before we move on. If we are gonna engage in fisticuffs, I will need to stretch. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll play some music. And so you can yeah, stretch. just yeah, like yeah. a brief intermission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll hit a I mean, clock for three we'll minutes. We'll at least figure it out. We'll, we'll keep uh, the cameras on. Yeah. I don't know what kind of voyeurs we have out there. Well, we got um, thirty-eight minutes. So if we get to fisticuffs, we'll plan that around the last five minutes. Deal. Okay. All perfect. Right. <laughs> All right. So here's the plot in under three minutes. We ready in the booth, Steve? Okay, I got a little tickle in my throat, but I'm good. Okay, so we have this awesome slow motion intro where they're at church and you're like, oh man, everybody already knows they're the saints, but they don't really know that yet because they haven't become them yet. They're not. And they just cut up there in the middle of the service, kiss the Jesus statue, do their genuflect and leave, and then there's this montage of them being goofy meat packing workers and like hitting each other with raw meat and punching a punching a woman, woman in the face. Yeah. Uh, you know, just you know, <laughs> just nice things. As you do. And then they basically the long and short of it is they um God, what's their first oh, uh, they're at the bar, they're getting drunk right. on St. Patty's Day, the mobster comes in I'm Ivan Chick. Off, most Russian name ever. Uh, f- fade out, fade back in. We get introduced to Willem Dafoe and the police. Well, yeah, and they're investigating the murders. They don't have any idea what's going on, but Willem Dafoe discovers that there was a toilet that was dropped. Um, so he asks his people to go up and look for running water. Uh, he realized that there are uh, gun shot uh, bullet casings. Bullet, bullet casings yeah. Thank you. Um, in the wall and under one guy. Um, and so they go up. They find the water leaking. They go up and they realize that it's the McManus brothers' apartment. So yes. they go looking for those guys. And then the McManus brothers instead they're the hospital and they they uh hand off the guns to Rocco and then they go to um oh no to, to Doc yeah the, mm-hmm. the the bartender bar- bartender with Tourette's with that Tourette's. only says fuck ass yep uh so anyways they go to the police station they turn themselves in they tell them it was all in self-defense we find out that they the bar they it was a big bar fight they ended up cracking the one guy over the head with two wine bottles and lighting the other guy's ass on fire mm-hmm. so they come back in the morning to try and kill him and they're like it was just a bar fight and they're about to kill Norman Reedus and then Sean Patrick Flannery's chained to the toilet he lifts the toilet up and drops it on the dude's head off the building in the alley one of my favorite fucking moments in the movie yep. and then he jumps he from jumps the building the and guy. jumps on the other guy and yep. then they crush the other dude's head anyways they're let off and then they they, they they stay in jail for a night and they're like uh and they have this weird sort of orgasmic dream that then makes them realize they should go kill bad they should guys go kill people. and what's the next hit um and so then they uh fuck what is the next hit they take I, all they, the guns the, and the money and exchange yeah, yeah, yeah. it for bigger guns and then the 
ceiling with the rope. Oh yeah, so they fall. They they go to the hotel room where the uh, the like Russians are meeting. Uh-huh. They fall. They go through the vent. They fall through the ceiling. Um, they have the rope attached to them, and they shoot all the guys. Um, and then uh, we get reintroduced to William Defoe, who's again brought uh, to the crime scene, yep. and he figures out exactly what's happened again, but still can't catch him. Um, and then Rocco shows up with a six shooter, and they realize that Rocco's been set up by his yep. mob family um, because there were nine guys and only six bullets. So they <clears> warn him. He goes back to the bar. He realizes that he has been set up, and he shoots the two guys, and then he shoots the bartender, yeah. and then he starts freaking the fuck out. Okay, and then he freaks the fuck out, and he's like, we gotta kill all of them. So then they go to the strip club, they kill Ron Jeremy, they realize there's two other guys, they happen to be there, so they're like, ah, oh, it's like a yard sale for bad guys. They let Rocco do it, and this confuses Willem Dafoe even more. Then they say, hey, there's gonna be a card game. They go to the card game where the mob boss is, um... They shoot up the whole backyard, but then uh, the other mob boss had he, brought out uh, Ch- uh, He uh, loses shit. his finger, and so Willem Dafoe yeah. realizes it's him. Willem Dafoe decides that they they're doing a good Connelly, thing. They bring out Billy Connolly, and then Willem Dafoe joins him in a wig, and then there's a big shootout, and then they let him free, and then they shoot up a courtroom, and in the end, they shoot a mob boss. <coughs> I, I Sorry, accept... I had a tickle in my throat that entire time, and I was trying to get through it. I accept all of your standing ovations out there. You know what? I Everyone, guess... if you want to take a video hey. of yourselves giving us a standing ovation for that and send it in. Hey, is the whole point of us just not knowing what the <laughs> plot of the movie is? Just wondering. It's not the whole point. It's half of it. Okay. It's half so the So let's point. get into this because there's several things I want to talk about. Can we bring the clock back up there so I keep on track? Um, so like we said, the, be- the very beginning... I remember when I first watched it, I thought they were already, and yeah. even, and even re- I've seen this a bunch of times, and but I hadn't seen it in probably 15 years, but I watched it a ton in high school, and I thought they were already the Saints, because in that first scene, unless that's a flashback scene, but they never explain that's a flashback, because they seem to just like take charge, it's the middle of a packed church service, they're praying, ignoring everything, and then they go up, and the archbishop is like, wait a minute, or whoever, yeah. clergy dude. And they're like, no, 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 no. And then the guy goes. <sighs> and then they go and kiss the Jesus statue, and then they leave, and the the sermon is about Kitty Genovese and how uh, the worst thing, the worst than evil is the evil of indifferent men. Um or, or indifferent men, or, or men that do nothing, uh, innocent men who do nothing, yeah. and and then they come out and they go, I do believe the father's getting the point, and then they light cigarettes and walk off. So you're like, oh, they're already the saints, and he was preaching, the, and then you're like, wait, they're not the saints yet. What the fuck does any of that have to it do? Has, it was such a non sequitur. And it why did they let them anything. just walk up? And they clearly know who these guys are. What's their backstory? And then you're like, oh, the credits are going to show us a backstory. And then they're just in a meat packing plant. And, yeah. Yeah. Tell them that the, your favorite, uh, the part you yeah. were just mentioning where you're like, oh, they punch a woman. So there was like a train. It's not your favorite, by the way. Yeah. No, it is my favorite. <laughs> I want to be, I want to be associated with this moment, please. Um, the, they have a trainee, a woman trainee come in and they're like, you're taking care of it today. Well, first they hit each other with raw meat. Yeah. And think it's hilarious. Yeah. So they're like building their, the story is building the bond of brotherhood. And then I they're guess. covered in like raw blood still. Yeah. Clearly hilarious. hours later. And everyone else just like, ha, ha, ha. These it's like, two guys. You guys run a fucking meat packing. Like, that's now not this sanitary. meat has been all over these two guys. It's not sanitary. No, use gloves. That's what I would recommend, yeah. having worked at a deli. Um, <laughs> but so this woman comes in, and they're training her, and he says, rule of thumb. 
And this was actually knowledge I didn't have, so I'm glad that this was run. But she says, you know, the rule of thumb actually comes from when men were legally allowed to hit their wives with sticks as long as the sticks were less than the width of their thumb. And then Sean Patrick Flannery is a little bit of a dick about it. He's like, well, that that couldn't even hurt. You might as well get something the size of your wrist at least. And he's like, ah, fuck you then! And she kicks him in the nuts. Yep. And then what does Daryl Dixon, a.k.a. Norman Reedus, a.k.a. He just flies in with a haymaker and just (laughs) levels her in the face. And then the foreman's just like, oh shit. And everybody's like, yeah. and if you're anyone, like, wait, what? Listen, if anyone were to have learned a lesson from the preacher we had seen not two minutes prior, it was everyone else in this meatpacking plant who's just standing around watching these guys beat up this woman. It makes no sense. Someone step in and, and stop And they justify them. because she's a rather intimidating woman. Sure. Uh, but it's so... It's it also makes, her first day, which God, isn't totally fair. Like she's in the right. I don't know why that was the choice to intro the characters. Uh, You could... The thing we said in the beginning, save the cat by writing terms. You give give an audience a reason to like your heroes from the beginning. Right. Uh, Hitting each other with raw meat and decking a woman in the face and uh, joking about spousal abuse. Yeah. And then getting drunk and uh, even if they are Russian mobsters, they get extreme and they smash bottles on their head, and they tie the guy down and light his I ass mean, on fire. If you're gonna light someone's ass on fire, like you're no longer a sympathetic protagonist yeah. to me. So the thing is, like, this would have been a really cool moment in the beginning to set them up as because they hint at it in the hospital after the whole sh- debacle. Um, they're like talking to a kid, and they're like they're being very uh, nurturing to him. I forget what the conversation is, but um, but that would have been interesting to show them around town, kind of like these Robin Hood types. Yeah. And then that would make you lock in to whatever mischief they get into after that. But you start off just basically being like, these are two immature pricks who have pseudo-cool Irish accents in Boston. (laughs) Pseudo. Uh And then you just watch this mayhem of gratuitous violence unfold with no characters you can root for in the entire movie. Yeah. Because as a kid, I loved Rocco. I thought Rocco was hilarious. My buddy Mike Wilkinson and Corey... Uh, Ular, who came out, I could keep shouting out to Core Ular and Mike Wilkinson. So when they when they came out to visit one time, we were all at Sardo's Karaoke Bar, rest in peace, because that place closed down closed, last week. Yeah, uh, where I met my wife. I met Renee at Sardo's. Um, That's where but, they have porn karaoke. Yeah, right? on Tuesday nights. Okay. Neither of us were there on porn night. Well, anyways, so we were there and we were getting hammered, and there's a guy who looked like Rocco, but we knew he wasn't, and we called him Fake Rocco. To his face. Uh-huh. We were like, hey, fake Rocco! You're, you, no, you're really Rocco, aren't you? And he had no idea what we were talking about. He, no, he, had how like, could he? he spoke with like a broken English accent. I don't know what. Oh, Rocco. I don't know what it does. What well. dial? I was too drunk. But I remember we just were entertaining him so much that at the end of the night, we got a photo with fake Rocco. And I need to dig that up because that'd be amazing to retweet. Obviously, out, that should be somewhere in your house. God, like, it should be. On the wall. But that's how much I loved Rocco. And then rewatching it now, I'm like, <laughs> Rocco's super annoying and terrible. Oh, God, he's the worst. So, I couldn't. Yeah. I told you before we started, the, I couldn't deal with Rocco's. And just, when they shoot him, it's like, okay. Kind of, yeah. Like, just his sheer volume is a little bit too much. And then, yeah. Uh, just, yeah. So, I know we're jumping ahead. Yeah. But. After they kill the cat, which we'll get into, right? the scene where he's like yelling at his drugged out girlfriend who's been gone for weeks, and he's like, say the fucking cat's name! And she's like, I don't know. It just That scene went on forever, and I was just like, what? why is this here? 
Maybe it wasn't in. I watched the director's cut. No, it was. Cut. Yeah. I watched the director's cut and I regretted it because it was 10 minutes longer. And there was six minutes of puppet sex, which was weird <laughs> that they added that into this one. <laughs> Who was it? That one of our fans is like, uh, I think it's James. I forget. I got to look it up. But he, he was like scarred for life by the puppet sex. I mean, I don't blame Anyways, him. Anyways, okay, let's keep going. We so far did the intro. Um, <laughs> so uh, the bar fight, let's get to. Everybody's a walking stereotype in this movie. And you pulled this sound clip. With the most stereotypical Russian bad guy ever. His name is even Ivan Chekhov. Can yeah. we play clip number one? I am Ivan Chekhov. Oh, I'm sorry. And you will be closing now. Ivan Chekhov. Ivan. You know, I don't know if you know this, but uh, <clears throat> I did some Anton Chekhov plays. Did you? In in high well, school. Because you're a thespian. Yeah, I am a thespian. We actually took it to the thespian convention in Ooh. Ohio. Ooh. And... Um, I think that there was a little bit of animosity because we were doing such a highbrow performance. And also there was a confusion because some of us had really bad Russian accents and some of us didn't. And some of us just had our regular, like, Ohioan, like, you know, the hard A's, mm -hmm. like almost Boston. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly I'm an expert at accents. And I remember this, this during the performance, uh, some guy before even intermission stood up because he wanted to shut the show down. He was so offended. He was this Russian guy. He was offended by our accents. He was offended by our take on Chekhov. Because at the time, I didn't realize Chekhov's usually a comedy. Like, a lot of Anton Chekhov doesn't read comedic. But apparently in Russia, it's hilarious. It's between the lines. It's between the lines. Yeah. So this guy stood up, and he just went, I am Ivan Chekhov, and you will be closing now. And so we were just like, you Ooh. know what? Curtain's down. That guy's yeah, fucking that's terrifying. intimidating. That was, that and, was but, a really long build. -up. But everyone else thought it was part of the show. <laughs> and and so they were all like, yeah. <laughs> I am Yvonne Jekyll. That guy's part of your troupe. Um, there, was, uh, there was talk in November in like yeah. Ohio and Pennsylvania. <laughs> Where's this going? Um, of of uh, just like early closing on voting booths. And uh, specifically, one person uh, got video of someone yeah. showing up to the voting booth and saying, I am Yvonne Chekhov, and you will be closing now. But you know what? I don't think the Russians had anything to do with it. I this. can't, like, I don't see any I don't hard see any evidence. Correlation. Of, that was a nonpartisan improv, by the way. <laughs> That was is just stating facts. Stating facts. I'm not saying who had benefited. I'm just saying it wasn't even an improv. It was a. It fact. was a fucking real story. It was a real, that's it was real a true life story. That's I am actually that being was called not Infowars to testify in front of Congress that I heard secondhand of this story, and so uh, you guys have to come <laughs> with me so that, you can run the soundboard. I loved our fan that pretended to be Homeland Security on one of the comments. Yeah. That was like, "Hey, stop talking about Trump. This is Homeland Security." Uh, Anyways, so let's keep going. So then it fades out at this at the bar where they're all getting shit-faced, and we're introduced to Doc. And, um, again, he has Tourette's, and you can tell they just did it because they're like, wouldn't it be funny if he just stutters and yells, fuck? Because he, he literally goes like, we're going to Hey, what do you want for the bar? Fuck! Ass! And you're like, oh, oh, okay. That's... Right. That's... I remember as a kid, before I was like, you know... Aware of how inappropriate and offensive and hurtful that is, and and I was sheltered and never met somebody with Tourette's. I've met several people now, and that's super offensive. And you're like, damn it, why? Why is that necessary? So I don't remember if I told this story yet, but I was in Vegas and had a blackjack dealer with Tourette's. 
No way. And it was so, like, I'm very superstitious and very much about, like, the vibe of the yeah. table. And it, like, shut the vibe down. And people started losing. And I'm not saying that it was his fault, but I just, like, felt yeah. bad energy. And I, like, wanted to get up to go to a table that, like, people were laughing and winning. And I was like, but I don't want to offend this guy. So I just, like lost a little bit more money and then just sat there and waited and stopped playing. I just sat at the table and stopped playing. <laughs> it's like uh, during my bachelor party year when uh, we'd go to a strip club and there was like a super hot dancer and then the next one was kind of like, ugh. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember I started to get up and I wasn't trying to be mean. I was just like, not really my style. I'm just going to... And she actually called me out and was like, oh, oh you're not going to stay for me? And I was like, Okay, and then she's and then like she starts guilt tripping me for ones, and I'm like, I didn't even want to be here, and I ended up throwing a few ones, and then I'm just it's kind of like one of these, and I'm not trying to be remotely like, but there's there's levels of hot for strippers, sure, and there's levels of gross for strippers, and this was not in the upper echelon of. Well, that, it's also you know? like that sort of thing. You just have everyone has their own taste, so it's and like, that's like the one place you're supposed yeah. to be able to go. Yep, here's money. I choose you. That's the one place you're allowed to be a total, like, gross person. That and meatpacking jobs. Meatpacking Those job. are the two places where you're totally allowed. I feel like you could clearly tell how uncomfortable I got halfway through that story of how I was portraying myself. Immediate regret on your like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bail on this story. Jesus. So anyway, so uh, we get introduced to Willem Dafoe, and he's walking up in slow motion as the dipshit cop is like, okay. He does the binaca, and yeah. he's like... Because that's what you do when you do binaca. You go. Yep, that's what you do. Also, like, who is he binacaing for? You got to waft it around a little, you know, like a. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure the tongue gets all the the particles that are still floating around. It's very much like mouthwash. And you should treat it that way, even though it's mist and not liquid. Yeah. Anyways, I'm just going to keep doing that to camera because that's not creepy. Uh, so so he does this whole theory about how there's like a 400-pound man that sat on him <laughs> and all this this terrible stuff. Uh, and, and then Willem Dafoe shows up and pretty much puts him in place. But first he's like, who the fuck are you? And let's play that exchange. B1, clip B1. Who the fuck are you? That's who the fuck I am. He shows him his... FBI badge. That's who the fuck I am. To be fair, that's not who the fuck he is. That's who the fuck he works for. Yeah. 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 I don't know if the. Well, he probably has his name. Does it have his name on it, do you think? Your badge? I doubt it. I don't even think they really show the badge. (laughs) It's like a name tag. They just show it like this, and you don't actually see like an insert or anything. It's it's his FBI badge, and right under that is his Walmart name tag that he. Uh, like he double dips. I got a little. He's got a mortgage and he can't pay it with the I, FBI salary. I was a little insecure at my ten year high school Were reunion because uh, I hadn't done as much acting work by then, and some of the people there had forgot about who I was and obviously didn't know me from TV or anything, right. and probably still don't. Uh, <laughs> probably still don't. <laughs> they know you from this podcast, unless they're though. one of the two hundred eighty uh, bots. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. But uh, so, anyways, <laughs> I went there and the person that was hosting it. Um, she was just being very nice, but she looked at me very confused and looked through names. Tried there were like pictures on name tags. Mm-hmm. She was trying to place me, and she just went, "Who the fuck are you?" And I pointed at my name tag. That's who the fuck I am. And I took it and I put it Damn. on. I didn't even let her. I, she tried to grab it, and I was like, "No." Why were you guys so aggressive towards one another? She started it. She started she said, it. Who but the you, fuck are you, you first? Could have diffused the situation. I guess so. You're an instigator, though. I'm an instigator. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was my look when I first came up to the table. I looked at her like, yeah, <laughs> that's like one of these things. Like, 
Don't you know who I am? <laughs> I've had that at auditions before where like the person behind the camera will be like, what's your name? And the guy next to me will be like, really, man? I'm in here like every week. I had that happen once. The guy, the guy next it. to me went, really, man? I'm in here like every week. I know I don't look as much as this guy. And I was like, oh, oh no. Don't involve me in this. I was just like, fuck, get me out of here. You're like, you're sitting there like, please ask my name. Please ask my name. Please ask my yeah, name. Yeah, like, please. Wait. And I think he did ask my name Good. just out of. Yeah, yeah. Or he sh- maybe he was just actually no I think he was like hey Ben just to fuck just to guy. fuck with that guy okay. <laughs> anyway so uh, okay so then he gets um, uh, he he tells the guy off even more can we play clip number two this is Willem Dafoe getting shitty with this guy why don't you get me a cup of coffee what the hell is it cafe latte what the twist fuck? the lemon chief what the fuck is this sweet <laughs> that's the weirdest that's a gross order ever. a cup of coffee cafe latte twist the lemon sweet and low. Who, is lemon a normal thing to put in your so not latte? in a latte? Lemon is a normal thing to put in espresso, but is if it? you're yeah, but if you're adding yeah. milk, then I think that's gross. That whole exchange is weird, and this is the first hint of uh, Willem Dafoe's strange effeminate nature, which then we find out he actually uh, he's a weirdly like um, he's a homophobic gay man. He's a homophobic gay man. Yeah, <laughs> the scene where he's. He has that the guy that has one line that's playing his boyfriend cuddling with him is the most awkward cuddling I've ever seen in my life. Where you could tell that ba- it was like a background actor that got like pulled or something, and the actor's just like, "This is Willem Dafoe, the microphone." And he's just like, and and then he just slaps him, and he's like, "Oh, yeah!" It's the most overacted, it's so weird, super uncomfortable. I have nothing against. Any kind of homosexual scenes, but the only time it gets uncomfortable for me is when clearly the actors are uncomfortable. Yes. Like, when the actors are uncomfortable doing the scene, you're like, ugh. That's how I feel with, like, even when two, like, a man and a woman are making out and you can tell they have no chemistry. It was just weird. Like, Valerian and Loreline in that fucking movie that just came out. No chemistry. No. No. Cosine on that. I actually... Blind cosine from me. No chemistry between them. The Um, movie was fine, but they were But, yeah, so, like, it was... It was a weird the way they structured it because he got like a work phone call. And as soon as the phone rang, the guy like started cuddling with him like the phone was his alarm to start cuddling. And so and then he just like kept doubling down on it and digging into the cuddle and he kept being pushed away. But it was was almost like like a phantom cuddle, too. It was a little bit like this. Yeah. Like not touching. Yeah. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching and you. And again, like, from time to time, it would be like, it would it would have been just as effective not to do it. But, like, just to have the guy in the bed, it would have been just as effective for, like, all we're doing there is, like, informing Willem Dafoe's character. And then they have to have a homophobic joke where yeah. he calls him the worst word you yes. can. Yes, and, and he then does it again later yeah. where he calls someone, I think, a fairy. Yeah, at a gay bar. Yeah. And it's like, what is this guy's deal? It I, it made no sense. Yeah. And it was very much just like, you it know what def- would be quirky if we made him gay? And then everyone in production was like, I don't know what, what are qualities of a gay man? And then they just, like, guessed. Yeah. And so it he's all like a, rang on. He's like a super butch gay man, though. He's like super butch, kind of. But then they like gave him opera and had him like Everyone, do yeah. the river dance. And like, what the fuck is going on? Are you just playing <laughs> like, like? I want to do a river dance. Yeah, he like, almost played it like a super villain, like a weird like Batman villain, like the Joker or something. Like like manic. He's yeah. manic as fuck. Yeah. Let's keep going because we got. Yes, t- oh we my god, to. we live seventy minutes. We got to blow through. Okay, it. clip number three, please. This is where he yells at them. Uh, Again, this is just Willem Dafoe going <laughs> off again. First of all, I'd like 
whichever one of you donut munching, barrel asked, pod pulling sissies leaked this to the press. There we go. Okay. Call them sissies again. Again, sissy. You know what? And then, uh, and then, so they come in. We already talked about how, uh, that's one of my favorite scenes, though, is when they reveal, because they do these things throughout the whole thing, which at first are cool and then get super annoying. The amount of fade to blacks that happen in this movie, there's about 75 of them. Yeah. And there's only about 10 that are needed or work. And whenever it should happen is a fade to black so that you can show the aftermath and then show the scene that happened. But then they fade to black randomly in other scenes that make no sense. Yes. But, so what we find out was this big alley fight, like we said, they 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 burn the guy's ass at the bar, they smash the other dude with bottles, they come back to kill him in the morning, they're going to kill Norman Reedus, they take him out to the alley, and Sean Patrick Flannery, in a badass slow motion shot looking down, rips the toilet out of the fucking ground. And then carries it to the roof and drops it in slow motion. And you just see in slow motion it coming down as Daryl Dixon, I'm just going to keep calling him that, (laughs) goes like, no! And then crushes the guy's head. Then the sheer nature of him, this is where it becomes kind of like a parody of action films, where he jumps like a seven-story building down. Fifth story. Fifth story. They live on the fifth fifth story. story, Yeah, yeah. and Mm -hmm. he lands on top of the guy perfectly. Yep. And and is just a little fucked up. From I think it. would probably still die. He would die if you landed on a human you would being probably, from a fifty foot fall. You'd probably I think you jam would. your legs up into your yeah. into your lungs. Yeah, <laughs> just be like your body would just compact. Yeah, that was a poor decision. Yeah. I feel like there were two parts of the toilet: the like yeah. top of the tank and then the actual toilet. Well, and Norman Bo- Reedus uses the top of it. Yeah, but they both would have done equal damage. <laughs> like he just should have dropped both on just done know, the one and then the other and then climbed down the fire escape. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite as dramatic. So when he goes and has... That was a cool moment. That it's was awesome. Really cool moment. And then there's a fun little uh, exchange with them and Willem Dafoe where they say it's self-defense. And Willem Dafoe's like, hey, I like these guys. So you get the hint that he likes them from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But you don't get any hint until way later that he remotely is okay with this vigilanteism. Well, We're like, and it, it's never hinted at. Like, yeah. he likes them but doesn't know that they're the ones committing all these other murders. He doesn't yeah. figure that out until no. later. So there's absolutely no indication that he's like the kind of cop that is into good guys killing no. bad guys. He's actually infuriated by not being able to figure it out. Yeah, and so his turn is completely Doesn't unmotivated and weird. Can we play clip number four? This is when they ask if they can stay overnight to be safe from reporters. Can they stay? Well, we'll have to check with your mom. But it's okay with me if your friends sleep over. <laughs> we had one friend that uh back home that we we never slept over at his place because his dad was kind of creepy as a kid yeah and um i remember it was because of this one instance where we we were all over there where we were in the middle of playing the punisher on nintendo and the final boss kingpin is super difficult and we wanted to beat it but it's getting late and we were like we got to sleep over if we're going to beat this even with the game genie on and so we went up to ask his dad and he said can they stay well we'll have to check with your mom but it's okay with me if your friends sleep over. And then we were like, you know what? We'll just, we'll just start it earlier next time. We'll just start it earlier next time. Yeah. That one's uncomfortable. That's uh, not true. Not true at all. I didn't have any creepy dads growing up. <clears throat> it's just, I just thought it, that was the only thing I could think of. What if I just go in this weird cave? You're like, oh shit, whoa, you didn't. Whoa, ben, God damn. God damn. <laughs> so then Rocco <laughs> brings them the rosary in prison. Uh, Ron Jer- I wrote Ron Jeremy is in this? Gross. Uh, there's the weirdly long racist joke with Rocco that we don't need to get into where they keep egging him on to say the N-word, yep. and we're like, that's unnecessary. And also really trying to be Tarantino, because Tarantino 
drops the n-word too much for being a white dude writing and directing right but this guy earns it even less and by earning it i mean does not earn it yeah because <laughs> you can't earn that you can't well also like the context of when they're using it is yeah. in the context of a joke yeah and so it, it like doesn't <laughs> make sense weird. that they're saying it or it's that angry and and then so we have the next the hotel the hotel scene where that's the big uh, where oh so they trade in all the the stuff they got from the gangsters they trade in the two guns shit ton of money and uh, some gold watches and rings and apparently that gives them carte blanche to get anything in this anything gun they locker. want because they just just go to town and it's like and there's like a fucking gatlin like a helicopter machine gun. And yet they just get some handguns with silencers and some really, they really want the rope. They can want to play, the, really can want we the, play rope. the rope clip, clip five. All right, get your stupid fucking rope. <laughs> he just really, because he wouldn't stop with the rope. And you know that that, as that's playing out, you're like, the rope is clearly going to play a huge moment in the next scene. Like, yeah. It's like, you're just really going, hey, right. hey, it's on the nose. Because you couldn't just show them taking the rope. Yeah. And then have faith in us to remember, oh, he took that rope five minutes ago. <laughs> but That's I do, where they got the rope. I do love the scene where they're they're going around in the vent and they're trying to figure out which way to go. And they get in a fight and they start like beating the shit out of each other in the vent where they happen to be just above the bad guys. And they the vent rips through the ceiling. They happen to somehow hang upside down by the ropes, even though they didn't tie it anywhere or, yeah. or to anything. So it happens, I guess, get snagged and then allow them both to spin in slow motion and as a kid i thought this was and a kid i should say 17 or 18 i thought it was awesome when they're spinning in slow motion shooting every gangster and no gangster can get to his gun in time because they're just spinning that it's, fast it, by the way they're not experts so their their aim is super precise yeah their aim is super precise being upside down and spinning and just like hitting every but that didn't even bother me like the best part about this was that we Willem Dafoe found the scene first yeah. before we see what happened and he walks in and like my initial reaction to him finding it was like why are all the Russians just like super relaxed dead people they're just, <laughs> they're like, just like yeah they're sitting comfortably <laughs> on the couch or they're like laying yeah. down on the couch and like we we never see any of them posed or placed yeah. we just see the pennies being put in there yeah. and also like the pennies would have fallen out of their pockets i hate to be this guy but like where are they keeping those pennies <laughs> maybe they had like a I mean? fanny pack or something they or didn't like, okay yeah they yeah. didn't they did not you looked yeah. uh can we put into wardrobe so, so then they cut the the rope with that Rambo knife that also Sean Patrick Lannery <laughs> called out very overtly, like "Okay, Rambo." Yeah. And uh, right before they shoot the guy, they do their prayer, which I remember, my friends. We thought this was so cool. Uh, clip number B two, please. There was just something awesome about these guys, like uh, the vengeful wrath of God, like coming down on these bad dudes. Yeah. And it was also before a really good Punisher movie had been made. So this movie really kind of floated on the wings of that, kind, the lack of that kind of movie. Sure. Dexter hadn't come out. We didn't have a ton of good guys just mercilessly killing bad guys back then. So this seemed like a fresh thing. Okay. <laughs> All like right. It. I mean, that's but, fair. So Willem Dafoe has two great sound clips. Uh, where he yells at this uh, stupid detective again, and then he comments on kind of the movie in a way. Let's play clip number six, please. How many bodies, Greenlee? Eight. Oh, shit, I forgot about that one. Nine. <laughs> 
It's the worst cop. <laughs> I will say the cops are even funnier in the second one. Are they, they bring back all the cops. But anyways, they uh, still have jobs. That's good for them. Yeah, I know. How? Ah, yeah. oh, shit! I forgot oh, about I forgot that one. About no, that nice body. Yeah. So then Willem Dafoe goes into um, how he realizes what's been going on and and how this happened. Can we play clip number seven? Television is the explanation for this. You see this in bad television. So basically that just justifies everything that's happened and everything that will happen. Yeah. That this movie is based on someone writing it based on bad television. Based on bad television. Because they, they, they even have uh, the McManus brothers afterwards are like, it's usually a lot more difficult in the movies. you got the guy that stands up and you got to shoot him like 15 times. And it's just so funny yeah. how I remember loving that. And I still kind of love that moment. Because it's fine. Because then it makes me go, all right, you know you're intentionally being stupid in this moment. And I forgive it and I accept it then. Sure. I guess, I guess like, then we don't really need the judgment of, like, bad television. Do you know what I mean? If it's, like, intentionally self-reflecting. Then we like don't it. need him to say, like, this is bad. I love it. I love it. I disagree. I love that oh, this is bad boy. television. So then Rocco comes in. They fuck with him. Who cares? They Because, they, yeah, that's a likable thing to your friend pretend like you're going to shoot him in the face. And yeah. then... And then and they realized he had a six shooter and he was set up, like we said. So then Rocco comes back after having killed the three other dudes in a brutal shootout in a in a that's the one thing I miss about these kind of movies that they don't really do as much in action f- films nowadays is the squibs. Like every time somebody gets shot in this, it's like that 90s glorious squib <laughs> action. Like the original bad boys, like The Rock, where it's just like because there's a tangibility to that where Nowadays, a lot of CGI blood happens, and that shit just goes like, and then it's like the magical evaporating blood. It's like, and it just doesn't make any sense. I like the like, the actual. I like practical effects. I prefer that to anything. So you like people actually getting shot on screen? (laughs) No, 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 no. Okay, no. I like practical effects. Got it. Okay. Anyways, so uh, can we play clip number eight? This is where Rocco comes in, freaking the fuck out after killing these three dudes. Fucking what the fuck? Fuck! Who the fuck? Fuck this fucking! How did you do fucking? Fucks! Fuck! <laughs> oh no, that's after. That's that's, that's when after they, he realizes. That's when he realizes who they it's are. them. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um. In the hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that one, other than just play it again. Uh, you know, I think that um, uh, <laughs> just play it again because it's too funny. Fucking what? Fuck! Who the fuck? Fuck this fucking! How did you do fucking fucks? Fuck! Okay, so I was. How in, did you fucking fucks fuck? I was in a spelling bee mm-hmm. in the fourth grade. Oh wow! Yeah, um, <clears throat> it was not the national script spelling bee. Okay, it was okay, a regional okay, okay. situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah um, and yeah. the word that I was given was fuck, and there were. Um, there were 17 fourth grade spelling. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it was progressive. Okay. There were 17 people on the panel. And when I asked the question, can you use it in a sentence? They all at once tried to answer me. And this is what they said. Fucking what the fucking fuck? Who the fuck? Fuck this fucking. How did you do fucking fucks? Fuck. I was like, well, that (laughs) I guess entomology, please. The worst is, like, he never finishes a thought. No. He does with fucks what Trump does with every speech he makes. Yeah. Hey! Got him. Oh. Yeah. So, anyways, um, 
uh, they go, they get drunk. They're like, hey, we're going to kill all these guys. And this is where they finally kind of become the saints. And they're like, we didn't really have a plan. And Rocco's like, they tried to kill me. I killed those three dudes. We can kill all of them. I know their plans. I know everything. And you're kind of like, eh, that's really a loose kind of hero arc, but all right. Right. And so then they're all getting drunk. And then Rocco kills the cat. Can we play clip number nine? Where's my cat? I killed your cat, you drunky bitch. Yep, and it gets worse from there. Yep. But uh, when he he's getting so pumped, he hits the table and the <laughs> the gun fires, and the cat just fucking explodes on the wall. And Practical I remember, effects. like I said, as a teenager, when you're a teenager, your 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 tastes are a little different. Sure. But I still loved I still love that moment now as an adult, and I know I think it's the nostalgia blockers. It's, no, but holy shit, it's funny as that's fuck. That's a funny moment. It's funny, and I'm also super allergic to cats. I don't I don't uh, justify sh- now if it was a dog that happened to it, I'd be like, ah! but like cats, I feel terrible. Yeah. I'm not as attached to cats. Well, and we never knew the cat. Like it we wasn't didn't. a character, so it was like, <laughs> who, who fucking rip. cares? Do you know what if you're it? allergic to dead cats? <laughs> And it's also a sort of a ripoff of the scene in Pulp Fiction where he shoots the guy in the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just still think that's so funny when he's like, and they all go, ah! And then he goes, is it dead? (laughs) (laughs) It's exploded on the wall. All right, now clip number 10 is where Rocco, I think this is where he uh, jazzes him up to become the saints. We kill everyone. Yeah. I'm the guy. I know everyone, their habits, who they hang out with, who they talk to. I got phone numbers, addresses. I know they're fucking. I know where they live. We could kill everyone. That's a, you know, that's really convenient. That's that's a super convenient turn of events. You have like a kill Rolodex? Yeah. Like, how did this happen? Well, because he's been working in the mob for 18 years now, they say. Yeah, but. You know, and he just has a Rolodex of all the bad guys. And now they tried to turn on him, so he's pissed. I would quibble with him saying, I know who they're fucking. Because even if you've been in the mob for 18 years, stuff changes. changes. Do you know what I mean? Not everyone's in an 18-year committed relationship. So they go to the strip club scene, which is awesome, again, Mm -hmm. where they... Uh, but then they throw in really weird moments like where Rocco grabs the unconscious stripper's boob, bare yeah. breast, yeah. and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, I'll tip her. And it's like, I get where like teenage Ben probably was like, ha ha ha, but adult Ben's like, no, no, <laughs> no. You just sound like that guy online that was like, if you're going to breastfeed in public, then I can grab your boobs. Somebody said that. Some A lot and of people say that. I tell you what, somebody ever tries that with my wife? I'm going to fucking light their ass on fire and crack a toilet over their head. What if they tip her? In nomine patriot fili et spiritu sancti. Crack Well, minus the guns. Minus the guns. I'm not going to shoot anybody. Those, no, but in your scenario, those aren't guns. Those, those are, are just, yeah. Toilet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Anyways. So what's still alive? What's that clip? Um, oh, oh the, this, yeah, the, this is when so he's the Duke in jail. isn't a Duke. Yeah. So they go to the. So we got to hurry up. But so we go to the the other mob boss goes to the old mob boss who's retired now, who apparently is a bathroom attendant throwing like urinal cakes in. Which if that's the end game for mafia mafioso types, either dead or bathroom attendants, maybe choose a different line of work. Yeah, that, that's not too promising. But they they bring up this character called El Duce, the Duke, and you're like, oh, this is like the biggest assassin of all time. And I'll give you the spoiler. He ends up turning out to be sympathetic to the Boondock Saints, which they don't set up at all, and is a random twist when he's killed all the other mobsters, and they're in the basement after Rocco's been killed. And, and he, then they team also, up. But he also, like, shoots it. He's the one that shoots off Rocco's finger, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he's already tried to kill them. Yeah. And then all of a sudden With he's no on questions their side. asked. Yeah. 
And so suddenly he's like, oh, I'm part of your thing, too, because he hears them praying right. and doing the, 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 the... But so he's in jail, and they're speculating as to whether or not yep. he'll be able to take Rocco and the the Boondock Saints yep. out, basically. Yeah. And this is, uh, this is what they speculate about him. He's been rotten in the can the last 25 or 30 years. Don't even know if he's still alive or if he's even up to it. Just, I love that de-escalation of like, I don't even know if he's still alive. It doesn't or, matter. Or if he's even up to it. And then they parole him. Like, he's definitely not up to it. He's been in jail for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. So we got to hurry up because yeah. you got to get out very yeah, yeah. soon. Okay, mm-hmm. we'll only take a couple more minutes. So here we go. So uh, long story short, they go to this slow-mo, awesome casino shootout. That scene's fucking badass. The hitman who uh, who is really terrible, killed a f- whole family. He comes out. He gets shot point blank in the stomach. And then he manages to fight Rocco until Norman Reedus throws him a pool ball. And they and let Rocco just almost die. And they're like, well, he wanted to yeah. fucking kill him, so yeah, let him kill him. I, I think because they realize Rocco's kind of a fuck-up. Yeah, I wouldn't want Rocco around. And so then they come out broad daylight out the front door with blood on him, no mask, just sunglasses, and they meet El Duce, who has six guns on his vest, and they just stand across the street from each other, blasting away, yep. like old colonial wartime, and none of them can hit each other. Yeah. So they can hit guys when they're spinning upside down, but not when they're standing across the street from each other. They need an element of challenge. Yep, they need, yep, yep, yep. So anyways, the Rocco gets his finger cut, shot off, and that's when Willem Dafoe is investigating, and he finds the finger, and he fingerprints it, finds Rocco, figures out who these guys are, and then goes, I, gets drunk and goes to a confession and agrees with them, and then joins forces over a payphone call. But first, there's the firefight clip. Can we play clip number 12? Oh my god, I've said that so many times in my life. Whenever that... whenever I see firefighters go by and they're like doing uh they're fixing a forest fixing a forest fixing fire. a forest you know, fixing a forest fire. Hey, when they fix the forest fire. Whenever I see that I just yell out. There was a firefight! And everybody around me just goes like, alright, that was yeah, weird. Even if the grill gets a little too hefty at a at a barbecue, I'll just uh-huh. I, when the burgers and the flames are going, I just go. There was a you know, at um, this mm-hmm. past year at the um, what was going to be the fire Festival yeah. that turned out not to be anything, yeah. a bunch of people paid exorbitant amounts of money to fly to, I think, the Bahamas yeah, and yeah, rent yeah. cabanas. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And there was no music there. And then they couldn't even get off the island. And so, like, there were, you know anger levels were high and two people got into a fight and someone flew in to like take a bunch of people back to the mainland yeah um and they looked in and they were like there was a fire fight i want two sound clips and we got to get out of here i know jesse's gonna kill me um so basically long long story short uh willem dafoe loses his mind at this place because he can't figure out he can't figure out why any of this is happening because it just doesn't make sense. I just want to jump in. I know that we're, we do have to get to these sound clips, but I also want to say like he's a good cop and we only ever see him showing up to crime scenes and like figuring out exactly what happened. But we never see him trying to find the people or being able to <laughs> no. like gather clues <laughs> and figure out what's Until going on. Until the fingerprint and then, yeah. then it escalates. So like what the fuck is he doing in between murders? Cuddling and being homophobic. I guess. All right. <laughs> Can we play clip number B3? You know, I heard that uh, behind closed doors in the White House, Ooh. with all these leaks that were happening, Trump got kind of mad because he? he couldn't figure out who the leaks were from. 
and he was getting furious. He and seems he, and generally he was happy. About to tweet, and instead he just unloaded on his staff, and he said, "Who the fuck are they? I've never seen any fucking thing like this in my fucking life." And they were like, ooh, okay, we're going to leak this. Anyways, long story short, uh, Rocco gets killed. They get, uh, and then we didn't even get into Willem Dafoe cross-dressing. Just, and the only reason that's in there is because the director thought it was funny, and then it justifies why the Duke doesn't kill him because he doesn't kill women and kids. And he just knocks him unconscious. But why that guy falls for Willem Dafoe as like this sexy prostitute. He has tremendous facial structure. (laughs) It's such a gross scene. It's so weird. And then Willem Dafoe's wig falls off, and he j- kicks the dude in the nuts three times. The guy falls over, and then he slow motion comes up and does like a Zerbert as he shoots him. He's like, <sighs> and it's he, awesome. He kicks him in the nuts a couple of times, or if I may, a couple of acres. A couple of acres. Yeah. So there's this weird Willem Dafoe cross-dressing moment, and then we find out that the Duke was in a, like, is commiserates with them and they cut to three months later where they bust into the courtroom with the help of Willem Dafoe the other two cops who we had no idea were in on it they trip the fire alarm and they say their manifesto as they're holding guns on everybody and then they shoot the main mob boss and then we get a bunch of film reels of people saying yeah they're good yeah no they're bad I don't know they're vigilantes let's play their manifesto though before and then we're done now you will receive us okay, three minutes do not ask for your poor or your hungry we do not want your tired keep tabs it's on their Irish accents the it is your evil that will be shot by us. With every breath, we shall hunt them down. Each day, we will spill their blood till it rains down from the skies. Do not kill. Do not rape. Do not steal. These are principles which every man of every faith can embrace. These are not polite suggestions. These are codes of behavior. And those of you that ignore them will pay the dearest cost. There are varying degrees of evil. We are you lesser forms of filth. Not to push the bounds and cross over into true corruption, into our domain. But if you do, one day you will look behind you and you will see we three. And on that day, you will live it. And we will send you to whatever God you wish. That's such a great speech. But their accents are so distracting. They're and the so fact weird. that I love Sean Patrick Flannery, and I think he's a great actor, but he delivers that entire monologue screaming the exact same way the whole time. If you want to do this, then we're going to kill you. And you'll rape your reward. Did you say reap or rayup? It was. It By was, the way, Norman Reedus, there's a, four, there's a three syllable word. Rayop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he also he uses as many accents as you used in the beginning in <laughs> that both their in that particular both their speech. Perform- I can't I can't comment on accents because I'm terrible at Me them. Me too. But they're both great actors. But it just the yelling nonstop. So the whole that speech. that clip is a perfect microcosm for this movie, <laughs> yeah. where there's so just many- like screaming and chaotic and religious and weird accents and a little bit goofy. And then, and also awesome. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. That's Boondock Saints. There Screaming, weird accents, a little bit goofy, and awesome. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, if you've enjoyed, if you haven't seen Boondock Saints, I would love for you to watch it and let us know what you think, how it ages. If you have seen it, let us know if it's one of your favorites, if you hate it. Uh, if you've seen Boondock Saints 2, I'm very interested in your thoughts on that. And I'm going to rewatch it and tweet it. Also, Ben was asking about Pixels. If you've seen Pixels. you in the Pixels joke. <laughs> All right, until next week, Jesse, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Too Much Jesse for sketches.
catch, check us out at The Prom Losers. And you can find me at The Ben Begman on Twitter and Instagram at Guilty Movie Guys is our Twitter handle. We'll be getting some action on there every once in a while. We're going to get some special guests here very soon. We're working on that. We'll be tweeting that out. And uh, we might be off next week. We're not sure yet. Possibly. Or we might have a guest. So tune into our Twitter and you'll find out. Until next time, in nomine patri et fili et spiritus sancti, what is your guilty movie pleasure? Park the car in the Harvard Yard! <laughs> Pop producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only, and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.